It's Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I'm Phil Bliss, a business visionary, and welcome to Toronto's Podcasts, part of the Canada's Podcast Network, your source of the great insights from entrepreneurs across Canada. Today we're going to meet with Nora Jenkins Townsend, who's the founder of Brighton Early, an unconventional HR consultancy that has helped some of the most successful startups scale. So, Nora, welcome to Canada's podcast. Great to see you. Um, why don't we kick off by, you know, you telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do, you know, that, that kind of uh, two to five minute review of who Nora is. Absolutely. Uh, I grew up as a, a hippie kid on a flower farm, and I really wanted to, to move to the city and work in advertising. And what I found, you know, when I reached that, you know, mythical world of work was that uh, a lot of things were really a mess. Um, you know, people didn't enjoy where they were spending their nine to five. And, you know, I really wanted to make that better. So many people fall into HR, but I'm one of those people who got into it on purpose. Um, I went back to school studied in you know that area and my dream was always to be on the employee experience side of things so you know all those things that we we think of as bad experiences at work like you know the hiring process or the onboarding process or performance reviews uh, i wanted to make all of those things better and oriented towards personal growth I've been in the HR tech, the HR space for about 10 plus years now. I've been saying that for a while, so it may be time for, for an update. Uh, and I've always been on that creative side. So ad agencies, creative areas, uh, and then many years in tech. Um, so I spent a long time at FreshBooks, um, which is kind of like a, an early tech darling uh, in Toronto. Um, and I was also an early hire at Wealthsimple, where I headed up everything people there. And from there, I started Bright and Early, um, which is my current venture. So Bright and Early works with growing, scaling businesses, usually between 10 and, you know, 150 people uh, on staff. And we help them build absolutely everything along that people journey. And from a lens of, you know, creating an amazing employee experience and also keeping an eye on, you know, making sure those processes are inclusive. So we're currently a team of five and we work with clients all over North America. You worked at Wealthsimple, you worked yeah. at FreshBooks. Why are you being an entrepreneur? You know, those are great companies, you know, uh, are entrepreneurs sort of wired differently? Are we, you know, mm -hmm. why, why did you move out from such great companies, you know? Yeah. Um, so really just the opportunity to continue to build. So um, as I mentioned at Wealthsimple, I was a pretty early employee. So everything around, you know, recruiting or HR hadn't been built yet. And we needed to scale super, super quickly. So we hired, you know, over a hundred people in that first year that I was there. And you can't just put, you know, dump a hundred people into a company and expect them to succeed without the kind of scaffolding there of good processes. So we needed to create an amazing recruiting experience, create an amazing onboarding experience and, uh, like everything along that line. We needed to make sure that people were growing. We suddenly had a lot of new managers. So there was just so much to build. And I'm really a builder. So, you know, we got to a point there where, you know, I had a team that I was managing and my role was a little different. So we were opening in London and New York at the time. Um, I was doing a lot of traveling and my role was more on uh, like the management side of things. 
and I really am a builder. So um, even though, you know, I was so happy with the company and so happy to, you know, be a part of something so awesome that's, you know, continued to build great things, um, I found myself unhappy with that particular role. And uh, I have a really strong relationship with Simple's founder, Michael Katchen, who's just an amazing guy. You know, you can't find a single person in the world to say, <laughs> say a bad thing about him or working with him. And we had a lot of kind of heart to heart discussions over it. And he said, you know, Nora, you're a builder. And I figured if I went to a different company and helped that th- them through that same building phase, uh, the same, if I did my job well, the same thing would happen to me over and over. So I wanted to have the biggest impact. I wanted to work with as many companies as possible to help them through this really tough and challenging step of like, I want to be a good place to work and I'm growing really fast. Like, please help me. <laughs> You know, I also just kind of wanted to see into a lot of different companies and how they make decisions as as well. You know, one of my, you know, life career dreams is to stumble upon, you know, the magic formula that no one's found yet as to, you know, what makes a, an incredible company that's really productive and really happy. And starting bright and early gave me lots of chances to look into that. You say you're a builder, so you're an ideas person. Some of our best ideas come when we least expect them. How do you, you know, disconnect, reach out? How do you get inspired? I mean, is it, do you have a, a process or is it just like completely random? We have a really good process for doing that as a team right now. Um, so we really want to think outside the HR box of, you know, how things have been done before. Um, so we have a time every week where we're, and also a channel in Slack, um, focused on inspiration. So we bring inspiration, whether it's through outside speakers or, um, you know, one of us doing research or reading a book and, you know, bringing it back to us. And we've looked into things like service design, design thinking. We use a lot of that. We're looking these days, you know, into, you know, how do societies, you know, that are successful arrange themselves. Like we're trying to take inspiration from indigenous cultures, et cetera. Like a lot of it is about like how people organized in a way that's like harmonious and productive. And we're trying to think kind of like outside of, of work for ideas that could be applied. But we're always looking at, you know, what other companies around the world and, you know, other countries are, are doing. Just trying to look beyond like the norm of our lens and our bubble that we live in uh, and bringing those back and seeing if we can take some lessons. I don't want to make this a, a COVID thing particularly. Yeah. But I mean, maybe we should just, you know, you're in the HR end of things. In, in the tech side of things as well. What have you seen change in the last 90 days kind of thing? Well, the big, the big obvious one is remote work. You know, working in tech, there are a lot of companies that we work with that were already remote friendly, but surprisingly, a lot of them, you know, when they are in that hyper growth and building stage, a lot of them actually were pretty staunch on working from an office. Um, You know, a lot of tech folks like investors, VCs, things like that are pretty adamant that, okay, you know, you have to be able to have those, you know, in-person run-ins in the office and you need to be able to tap someone on the shoulder to be able to build really quickly. Um, And so we actually did have a number of clients who, while otherwise quite forward thinking, were not open to doing any remote work or working from home. Um, and they've really kind of come around on that now. Um, some of them are actually, you know, becoming huge advocates for it because they just kind of hadn't tried it um, and needed to tweak their processes. So I think that pivot, um, there's obviously a lot of challenges around that as well, like making sure that people are, you know, engaged, um, you know, how do we measure 
someone's success without, you know, seeing their butt in a chair at work. And that's something we already should have been doing because they could be doing anything in that chair, Mm -hmm. not necessarily working. And of course, lately, there's also, um, you know, a lot of folks having to deal with childcare on top of working. So there's a lot of conversations around around that and what's broken there. And then also the the Black Lives Matter movement, um, you know, resurfacing at, at this time and, you know, a lot of pressure on, on employers on, you know, how they're going to engage in that. You know, without giving too much away, I mean, what what's your vision? What's sort of the opportunity in your particular industry? over the next, you know, let's not say five years, that's way too out, out there, the next three, three years kind of thing. Yeah, so I think that there's an opportunity to build a new way of, of how we think about designing companies and kind of a new vision of HR. So I think there's still a lot of folks that think that, um, you know, it is focused on, you know, paper pushing and rulemaking and policy writing. These days, you know, again, as we're seeing from the current movement, you know, people want to buy from companies that treat their employees well, that have, you know, a a heart, that are diverse. And, you know, there's just the stakes are so much higher. And companies with those factors, companies that are diverse, companies that, you know, have great employee engagement, they just perform better. So I think our opportunity is to kind of find the perfect formula uh, and be able to scale that. So that's kind of our ultimate vision of, you know, we're working with all these incredible companies, you know, what are the the top ways that, you know, these incredible companies can be built? And then, you know, what can we share about that? Can we scale it, um, you know, beyond just consulting? Um, can, you know, is, is there a vision there? So I think that's what we're moving towards. And an inspiration for us there is um, like the design thinking firm IDEO. So they really, like when you think about, you know, the process of design thinking, you think about IDEO. If, if you want something, you know, designed at, at a top level, um, you, you go to them. And, you know, if you're trying to build something, you know, internally, you may go to them for consulting expertise on that design thinking methodology. So I guess we kind of want to be like the IDEO of, of HR. Uh, they're thought of like very forward thinking as well. What's the greatest challenge you've uh, you faced to date in the, in the business? Is it this last 90 days or is it? Yeah, I mean, it's been... It's been, you know, a, a tough few months for sure. I think a lot of it is just like the uncertainty of the first little while. So, you know, not knowing, you know, is is the business going to continue to do well through this? Like, are these companies that, you know, we've been advising and kind of shepherding, like, are they going to be okay? Um, are the people around us going to be okay? So just that uncertainty. And then from a leadership perspective on my team, you know, I have folks who are, you know, really caring and having to be a, a, like in that leadership position. And I think all of us are who, you know, run companies or manage anyone um, mm-hmm. during this time. It's really tough to, you know, when you don't know, to be able to, you know, keep up and inspire that confidence in, in people. And, mm-hmm. you know, how much, if I'm worried, how much do I show that? Would it worry them more or is transparency better? So I think I went through a lot of thinking on that. Um, and, and so did a lot, of, uh, a lot of leaders that I know. And in the end, I went with, you know, transparency overall. So kind of like sharing my, my feelings and worries and thoughts, um, but not in a way that kind of bent into venting. Like if I felt like I had to do something like that, um, I would go to someone else. When you're faced with these kind of challenges, is there, is there a, have you kind of got a process that you use to overcome them or do you just 
or do you just meet, you know, meet them head on one at a time kind of thing? I don't know if I have a perfect answer for that. Um, I tend to be really motivated by, you know, protecting other people. So for me, it was, you know, oh, I have to do do right by these these companies that I serve, you know, for my amazing team, things like that. So I'm kind of like playing uh, like blocker on things. So, you know, that really motivates me as, you know, keeping other people safe and, you know, solving problems for, for them. But you have to take time for, for self-care as well. So, you know, recently we've gotten the go-ahead uh, from the province to expand our personal bubbles. So I have expanded that to uh, the flower farm where I grew, where I grew up on. And Where's the flower farm? Uh, they're up outside of Aurelia. Um, okay. They, okay. Yeah, you can buy wildflower seeds from them. Um, <laughs> okay. Wildflower farm. Um, that's what they're called. And uh, yeah, so I've been going up there with my my husband and son and dog um, just for, you know, great. a few days at a time back and yeah. forth. And that's been great for my mental health for sure. So like reconnecting so, with nature. Let's move on to some kind of lessons learned. If you could go back in time, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Oh boy. Um, just that it's going to be okay. I mean, you know, I'm not one of those people that had their life together um, at 20. Uh, I went through a lot of challenges when I was younger with, uh, with mental health um, and, and a few other things. And, um, you know, it, it took many years, uh, you know, to get to a point where, you know, I, I am where I am. And, you know, I, I love that I'm able to kind of provide us like a, a safe haven of like a great place to work and help other people create that too. So that's kind of my, my work in the world. But I would say, um, yeah, just, just hold on, you know, things are, things are going to get better. And uh, like, maybe, Maybe make some better dating choices. I don't know. It's not that kind of show, but. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> what, are, what advice would you give an entrepreneur, you know, looking to start a business? Well, let's, let's be specific in, in Toronto um, uh, or GTA, uh, GTHA, really. Yeah. Uh, so two, two things. One's more on the general entrepreneur side and one's on the HR side. So um, even if it's just you and you're solo, um, like really invest in a, a good accountant. You know, one thing that I learned is that, um, you know, accounting isn't accounting isn't accounting. Um, there are kind of scale, like I think of it as a scale of like one to 10 in terms of where an accountant lies risk wise. So 10 is like wild west cowboy, like you're probably going to get audited. And like one is like literally works for the government. Yeah. Um, understand that. Um, you know, I made a, you know, a, a few mistakes around that that were like pretty costly that I ended up fixing later. So yeah, do your taxes, work with like, just pay for a really good accountant, just do it, it'll come back to you in spades. And when you're hiring, uh, when it's ready to when you're ready to expand your team, have a vision for what kind of place you want to build in terms of like what it's like to work there, even if it's just one person. So, you know, your mission and, you know, what you're trying to build as a company will, you know, be attractive in hiring, but so will that vision of, you know, what kind of employer you want to be. And there's small things that you can put in place from the very beginning. Um, also, don't just hire your friends or the first person you know that can complete the task that you have at hand. That can be a rough thing to go through. I see a lot of startups go through that. Um, it seems like overkill, but you know, write out a real job description, ask everyone the same questions, put your posting out there, put it in a lot of like diverse different places, 
go through, you know, even if you get 200 applications, go through all of them and, and really make a process there and, you know, evaluate people equally on that, you know, those questions that you design. Uh, I think a lot of people, you know, want to work with their friends and they fall in love with that idea or they, um, you know, fall in love with somebody's like personality or just enthusiasm or they feel like, hey, I'm early on, I should kind of take what I can get. Um, I think those are, are not so great. Um, so definitely have that hiring process. Another important lesson that I learned is, again, taking it back to it's going to be okay, is um, sticking with your values as an entrepreneur. So there was a time, you know, when I first started out, it was just me. I didn't know like how many bookings I would get. I didn't know how many clients would, would you know. So it was kind of a, okay, I'll take what I can get at first because I was coming from a place of, of fear. And you know, there was one particular company and, and CEO that, you know, I, I took an assignment with. I didn't vet them enough for value alignment, which is something I do very heavily now. Like, what kind of company do you want to build? What do you value? Like, who do you want to be like? So I didn't do enough of that. And, you know, I showed up on that first day and it was just so not aligned. Like there was totally a culture of fear. You know, it was all cubicles. Nobody spoke to each other. I found out that they had been through like so many different service providers before and didn't take any of their advice. And I didn't go back after that day. Um, you know, I wrote them a very polite email and offered to introduce them to other suppliers. But, you know, for me, it was the lesson there was find partners and clients that really, really align with your values at the core. And don't just take on any work that comes your way, because the more value aligned work that you take on, the more will be attracted your way. And that's the reputation you'll build. That's your advice to people. You know, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received? You know, the one you carry around and it's always there in the back of your mind. You know, my favorite piece of advice that that I got was about... um, horizons. A lot of the, you know, when you're standing in a place that you are, um, you know, in in your career or anything that you're building, you see one horizon and, you know, you keep going towards that horizon. But once you reach that one, you're going to see a new one and a new one and a new one. And just keep going for, for that horizon. You don't necessarily, you're not able to know five, 10 years down the road, what it's going to look like, but just like when you get there, see the next one. For me, that says a lot because I think a lot of people are searching for um, something to be really passionate about, like, you know, in, in their careers, like they're kind of wandering around waiting for passion to hit them over the head. But I think passion comes from mastery a lot of the time. And you have to see a few horizons before you can get into the complex details of something and get really passionate about it. So I think about that a lot. I went to a really awesome uh, training by my friends at Ross Signal Group, they do like manager and boss training uh, called Better Boss. And one of the last activities after learning for a few days was to write a postcard to ourselves to remind ourselves of, you know, a business lesson or something that we've really learned and wanted to remind ourselves of. And they would mail it to us later. And I just drew that horizon. Some quick questions, rapid fire questions, as I tend to call them. Are you a morning or a night person? A morning now that I have a toddler. <laughs> he forces um, me. <laughs> if you had to pick one word to describe yourself, what would it be and why? Tenacious. Because I, I've, I've been through a lot and, you know, I, I don't give up. I always see the positive side of things. If something goes wrong, I find a way around it and to keep going. That, that, that's a common one in entrepreneurs. What book are you currently reading? 
I'm currently reading uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist. Um, we are doing a book club with, of that with uh, the author's discussion questions on our team. What's keeping you up at night, apart from your toddler? <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's an interesting question. I, I think same answer as, as the book. You know, I've been going through a lot of learning in the past few weeks. Uh, I'm someone who's always kind of identified as like, hey, I'm, I'm an ally, you know, when it comes to uh, issues on race. And I think what I'm realizing is that you can't really be an ally. You know, you can get comfortable in that identity and stop learning. Um, I think you can make actions that are either in allyship or, or not. And, you know, what you can do is choose to make those actions over and over and, and keep learning. Um, so I'm doing a lot of learning around that right now, like a lot of people. And last but not least, I don't know whether you listened to the end of any of the podcasts, but there's, we, we have a tropical island question, which seems very nice, seeing as nobody, none of us can go there at the moment. So there's a small tropical island, which we can take you to with only one phone booth and no internet. We drop you off with no technology. At any time, you can use the phone on the island to call the boat to come and pick you up. How long do you last before making the phone call? And what would you do until then? Um, probably a week. You know, I, knowing comfortably that I would be able to make a phone call and, and leave, I could stay for a couple of weeks. You know, I'd be able to call my family and, you know, tell them that I was, I was cool. Um, you know, I, I think I would actually like try to, to really do the whole thing, like pretending you're stranded thing. Cause I think everyone's curious about like how they would survive in a situation like that. And, um, we don't often get to like actually play that out. So I would, I would try, I would, you know, build a shelter. I would scour, I would scour the Island for supplies and, um, like, plants and things like that. I'm pretty good with plants because of where I grew up. Um, so I, I have some foraging skills. I would build a shelter. I would build a fire. Um, so, you know, I'd try and vacation like that for a couple of weeks, but if I ever got like really hungry, I could always call. So. Okay. No, right. that's great. You know, thank you very much for the interview. It's been really fun. Uh, our listeners and viewers often want to connect with, with people. So how can listeners find you online? Yeah, the, the best way to connect with me um, is probably on, on Twitter or via email. So you can check out Bright and Early at brightandearly.ca um, or you can follow me at, on Twitter at NoraJKS. Thanks, Nora. And thanks for coming on to Canada's podcast. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Phil. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone, for taking the time today to listen to Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters or write a review for us on iTunes. You can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at CanadasPodcast.com, where you can listen, discover, and engage. You can also check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'll see you next time.